Thanks to the internet, we all now have access to a nearly limitless supply of terrible horror movies. I've taken it upon myself to dive into those infinite depths, dredge up whatever cursed objects I may find, and share them. So I hope you'll join me as I sail down the bloodstream. it out classic intro time it's been a while i figured started month three time to bring it back this week as i was looking for a movie to do i've noticed that one of the things i've been trying to do is i try to avoid movies that have people i recognize i'm trying to keep it with fairly unknown people this week is definitely an exception but only on a technicality this week i'm doing and i can't believe these words are about to escape my mouth bigfoot versus db cooper I'll, I'll, I'll let that sink into your brain for a half second. So the only recognizable name in this thing is Eric Roberts. He has a slight bit of reputation. I don't think he is physically capable of saying no to an offer to be in a movie. And the reason I'm making an exception for him is the roles he picks tend to range from the great to what were you thinking? And most of the ones that end up on the bloodstream are going to be in the range of what were you thinking? There's a bit more reason why he's a good exception, but I'll get into that either during the review or final thoughts. I've got it in the back of my head to talk about it at some point. The basic plot is right there in the title. Bigfoot versus D.B. Cooper. It's a little bit more and a little bit less than the title implies. But when you hear the words Bigfoot versus D.B. Cooper, you know the general idea. It's like snakes on a plane, wolf cop. You know what you're getting when you walk in the door. So let's just dive right in and start the trailer. I was only 22 years old when this story began, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Little did I know, as I took that fateful trip, I would encounter something far more dangerous and a hell of a lot bigger than turkeys. What kind of stories? Local legends about some kind of creature roaming these woods. Bigger than a man, stronger than a bear. Oh my God, you did it. You stole $200,000, jumped off a plane, and killed one of the greatest urban legends. You're famous. And who is this D.B. Cooper? I'll let that remain a mystery. What you're not getting in that trailer, because this is audio, is the fact that every single guy you see in that trailer, save for D.B. Cooper, is not wearing a shirt. And this set off alarm bells in the back of my head. And it made me think of one man. And that man's name is David Decato. I've reviewed several movies of his in the past for my other site, Triskaidekaphiles. Possibly the best thing he's ever directed is Puppet Master 3, which is generally considered the best of that series. And I agree with that opinion. But a couple other movies I've looked at of his are Talisman and Totem. And I've watched a number of other trailers of his of other work he's done. I've picked up on a trait. 
a lot of the movies he's worked on in more recent times have very copious amounts of shirtless guys. And I have no problem with that. Us dudes have porn from, you know, the hardcore stuff to the softcore and women are objectified all the time. It's only right that we do it with guys too. Let's have more movies with shirtless guys wandering around for no reason whatsoever. I have no problem with that. So don't get the wrong idea there. But Dekato has this style. Every time I'm watching a trailer of his, and I don't know it, I just get that sense in the back of my head and I'm like, oh, this is a Dekato movie, isn't it? There are a few exceptions. Most notably, his earlier work, which was more mainstream-ish. I mean, Pup Master 3 isn't exactly mainstream, but moving on. He does have this other side of him where he does movies like A Talking Cat. You've probably heard of it. It's a bit infamous on the internets. And that's not quite in the same vein as his other stuff. And quite frankly, since this is a movie by David Decoteau, and he has that penchant for shirtless guys in his movies, I want, I demand one of two things. Either just a random shot of shirtless D.B. Cooper sitting on the plane for no reason whatsoever, or when the time finally comes for him to go against Bigfoot, I want him to rip off his shirt like he's Taylor Lautner in the Twilight movies. But the movie isn't so much about D.B. Cooper. He's interspersed throughout the plot. For the most part, we focus on a young man named Bernie. Because this is about D.B. Cooper, it's supposedly set in the 70s. The look and style of the people and places don't really match that up, but with a title like Bigfoot versus D.B. Cooper, I'm not gonna complain too much that they couldn't make it a real period piece. But before we get too far, I'm gonna cut right to Eric Roberts giving the setup for the movie. I was only 22 years old when this story began, but I remember it like it was yesterday. I told my family and visiting relatives that I was going out on a turkey shoot. It was November 24th, 1971, the day before Thanksgiving. And if you wanted a turkey feast, by golly, you had to shoot and kill the bird yourself. At least that's what I said. Little did I know, as I took that fateful trip, I would encounter something far more dangerous and a hell of a lot bigger than turkeys. By golly, what a line. The first thing we see is the young version of Bernie wandering through the woods. And oh look, it's shirtless man number one. And we see a lot of shirtless man number one, or Bernie. Because the movie watches him walk through the woods for ten straight minutes. Just walking through the woods. Barely any dialogue. Just Bernie walking around, shirtless as the day he was born. Am I gonna get a guy fading into the scene at some point and then fading out before Laura walks in? Oh no, wait, that was soulless. But at least we hear growling throughout most of it to at least let you know that Bigfoot's watching. And we do finally see Bigfoot! Kind of. Behind a tree. His costume is very fuzzy. And his mask is cheap. Shirtless man number two! What? He's a guy, he has no shirt on, he has no clothes on whatsoever, so I think he counts. Are you going to tell him no? But Bernie finally comes across some creepy stairs, climbs up them, and comes across a house, which will lead us into Eric Roberts' next bit of narration. While I was going about my business, another man, a rather famous, or should I say infamous individual, had some plans of his own on that very same day.
But while the airlines were going to have a busy day ahead of them, I had to deal with some problems of my own. Can I help you? I'm sorry, I thought this house was vacant. We rented it for the holiday. We? Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? What's going on, buddy? Yeah, this is uh, Chuck, Johnny, Lou, and Morgan. What's up, guys? You want to join us for some turkey shooting? Yeah, I'm, I'm here for turkey shooting. Awesome. It's the season. Right. Yeah. You want to have a beer with us? Yeah, I'll take a beer. All right, come on. All right. Let's go. Come on in. Come on in. So Bernie comes across the house. The first guy walks out, shirtless man number three. And as I was thinking that bad enough, out come a whole bunch more guys. And one guy wearing a hoodie, so he doesn't count. Bernie is understandably surprised to find these guys up there when he thought he was going turkey hunting where no one else was around. And I'm a little taken aback by all the shirtless guys, so I'm going to cut over to Eric Roberts talking more about stuff. I hadn't expected anyone else being up here, but they seemed like a good bunch of guys, so I was happy to play along. Morgan was getting married in a week, so this was like a last hurrah for them all. At the time, I didn't realize how true that would be. I also couldn't get over the feeling that someone was watching me. I thought I was being just paranoid, but for some reason, I couldn't shake that sense of dread. Which is probably what the flight crew and passengers were feeling. Once Dan Cooper got aboard that 727 Boeing out of Portland, Oregon, heading to Seattle, Washington. Is there a problem? Thank you, sir. I'll read it later. Uh, you should really take a look at that note right now. I have a bomb. You should inform the captain. Uh, I'll get on this right away. Dan Cooper's demands were simple. 200,000 in negotiable American currency, four parachutes, and a fuel tank standing by in Seattle awaiting their arrival. I do appreciate them working in some bits and pieces from the actual D.B. Cooper case. If you're gonna have them in the movie, you might as well. The big problem is how separate it all is from the rest of the plot we're sadly following with all the shirtless guys. Oh, and another known person in this plot, which you might have heard the voice of in that clip, was Linnea Quigley, but you don't see her. She basically just had another voiceover, so I'm not counting that either. We do finally get a good look at Bigfoot, and he's a big, giant, red, fuzzy carpet. Oh my god, Skeletor sent Beast Man. Well, I guess that's what you're gonna get with all these 
bits of beefcake wandering around, you're gonna mistake him for He-Man, right? My power is beyond your understanding. But this is the best worst costume ever. There are times when I think the gloves are just regular black gloves, and I start wanting to make jokes about this being a Bigfoot Giallo. When they go in for the close-ups, they are decent monkey gloves, so I guess I can't make that too much, but I did want to point that out because I think a guy dressed up in a Bigfoot costume killing people in a Bigfoot-style Giallo movie would be hilarious. But on top of that, you can see the fuzzy slippers the guy's wearing when he's running. <laughs> they did not spend a whole lot of money on the costume, I can tell you that right now. Bigfoot watches a couple of joggers, which just so happen to be shirtless guys, so... Bigfoot, and consequently us, watch these guys for six straight minutes until they get spooked and run off, after putting some clothes on, which is a miracle. Ladies, if there are any ladies out there listening to this, is this what it's like for you guys watching straight porn aimed at dudes? Because I totally get it. Anyways, back at the very much not abandoned house, which for a hot minute I could have sworn was the same house from a talking cat, but I actually did research on this and I don't think it is. This movie made me do research into the filming locations for movies called A Talking Cat and Bigfoot vs. D.B. Cooper. The things I do for this show. But we're back inside, which means the return of the shirtless guys. And if you're keeping track, that's... 9 10 11 They plan to split up into teams and have a turkey shooting contest at when the other two guys walk in, which means... 12 13 they break and head off to their separate rooms so they can get ready, which leads to many, many long scenes of each one of them standing around, flexing in mirrors, while shirtless. It's... it's a slog. But we start out following one of them to their room, and that's... 14. And if they're just gonna remain shirtless, why... get ready? One of them actually has a shirt on for a brief period of time until he heads to his bedroom, and while Bigfoot watches, he starts getting ready, and... 15. Then after watching the whole group, we move over to Hoodie, who- Aw oh man, Hoodie, you were the last holdout of shirts in this movie. But eventually, 16. And once he's done, we move over to one of the other guys, so... 17. And he heads upstairs and does the exact same scene we've seen so many times already. It's the exact same shot from the upper landing, watching shirtless guy walk up the stairs, head to his room, pose and flex in the mirror. Look, I have no problem with beefcake. I've got no problem with a movie focused around shirtless guys just hanging out and doing stuff. But give me a plot and not this endless sitting around for, what, 11 minutes again? I mean, come on. Remember D.D. Cooper's in this movie? You got a Bigfoot outside. Do something. But after those 11 minutes, it's finally off on the turkey shoot and Roberts at least returns to do some more narration. Now, I had heard stories growing up about things lurking in the woods. And as a kid, the story scared me, but monsters take on different guises when you're fighting in Vietnam. I had thought I'd seen it all. Boy, was I mistaken. Now, I can't rightly say what happened inside that house while we were out, but I can tell you now, it wasn't pretty. So, what wasn't pretty? Well, one of the guys stays behind to phone his girlfriend, 18, and Bigfoot heads in to kill him. I hope. 
eventually. Because apparently we're going to sit here and watch the guy take his entire shower. To the point where I'm pretty sure the footage cycled just to drag it out even longer. I know there was two shots that were exactly the same in there. I would like to take this moment to apologize to all the women who have had to sit through horror movies where we are forced to watch the women take needlessly long showers, just for titillation's sake, because I now know what that's like. But finally, after watching him masturbate off camera, Bigfoot finally stops being a voyeur, comes in, and kills him. And there was uh, uh, something about a guy on a plane? Refresh my memory what's going on there. I can also tell you that while we're out hunting turkeys and someone was hunting us, good old Dan Cooper was having his demands met. The airline's president authorized payment of the ransom and ordered all employees to cooperate fully with Dan Cooper, who they were now calling D.B. Cooper due to the news media miscommunication. FBI agents assembled the ransom money from several Seattle banks. He received 10,000 unmarked $20 bills and civilian parachutes with manually operated ripcords that the police obtained from a local skydiving school. Have a lovely evening, folks. Once the delivery was complete, Cooper permitted all passengers and the senior flight attendant to leave the plane. They were all unharmed which is unfortunately not the case with what happened with the guys I was hanging out with. These plots are so unconnected, the only way I ever see them meeting up is once D.B. Cooper jumps out of the plane, just as whatever remains of the shirtless army is about to be killed by Bigfoot, Cooper just so happens to land on the perfect spot, landing exactly on Bigfoot, killing both himself and Beastman by turning them into giant red spots on the forest floor. But enough D.D. Cooper for now, we have shirtless dudes walking through the forest we have to watch. 19, 20, and they hear a loud crack off in the woods, spin around, point their guns as you do, and one of them goes, oh, it was just a squirrel. How big are your squirrels? After the squirrel scare, we jump back to the other group of guys, which, 21, 22, 23, and the former hoodie decides he needs to take a bathroom break and heads straight back to the house. You just left five minutes ago, but he walks back because... I bear my shit on these woods, but I don't. But all that makes me think is... Look, I gotta go. 16 minutes round trip. You know, Finch, it's, it's senior year. I mean, don't you think it's time you learned how to take a dump at school? When was the last time you looked at the facilities in the school? So Hoodie wanders around the house for an incredibly long time because this movie has no idea how to yell cut, but eventually he finds Morgan and, uh, slight problem here. Morgan is supposed to be dead. You even heard Eric Roberts telling us it wasn't pretty. But when we finally see Morgan's body, nothing. Just a naked guy sitting on the bathroom floor. Could, could you not have even bothered to at least give me a, a bit of ketchup smeared on his chest? as a, a bit of a wound? Anything? I'm not asking for much, I mean just... Anyways, Bigfoot is still lurking around the house and eventually gets around to killing Hoodie too, supposedly. Once that's done and over with, we cut back to the other two guys out in the woods. 24. 25. And they come across a pile of blood-covered bones. Okay, so the movie can't afford blood. Just not on anyone at the house. That freaks them out and they run back to the house and, oh, if you don't like blood, you'll be completely fine because there's none back at the house. When the movie's not doing endless scenes of guys without shirts, it also likes to give us endless scenes of 
trees and nature. Which, I don't mind. If you've got pretty scenery, it makes a good way to cut between scenes. It eventually finishes showing more trees and cuts back to the other two guys. 26. 27. Bernie starts talking about the legends of Bigfoot as they're heading back. And naturally, Noah doesn't believe any of it. So Bernie knocks him out because that's not a bit extreme. Back at the house, one of the guys goes to take a shower, the other guy goes to have a swim. So lots more shirtlet activity to keep us busy. Bigfoot wanders his way back to the house. He might be like circling the place waiting for people to show up. Bigfoot comes inside to take care of the guy that was getting changed. And he, he just stands there in front of the guy for a while. Slowly moving his soft, supple Bigfoot fingers across the man's firm yet supple chest. There was an unspoken moment between the two. The young man thought it would all be okay. He thought, this creature would never hurt me. He only wants to bring me into his soft embrace. And then Bigfoot kills the guy because this is not a romance novel. But it was getting weirdly close there for a minute. After the guy in the house screams while dying, that gets the attention of the guy in the pool. 28. He slowly walks toward the sound of the scream. Because I haven't seen enough long drawn out scenes of shirtless guys walking through this house. At this point, I know this house better than I know my own house. But you know the drill by now. Guy wanders around the house, Bigfoot finds him, Bigfoot kills him, and I drop in a clip of Eric Roberts talking because that's the most interesting thing in this movie. Okay, Captain. Now please hold steady at 100 knots with a 10,000 foot altitude. Good. Now, lower the wing flaps to 15 degrees, and keep the cabin unpressurized. Look, Mr. Cooper, under these flight configurations, we are going to need a second refueling before entering Mexico. That's fine. We can do that in Reno, Nevada. Now please, everyone, remain in the cockpit with the doors closed. I have some money to count, and I don't wish to be disturbed. Are you in need of some assistance, Mr. Cooper? No. Everything is under control. At approximately 8.13, the aircraft tail section sustained a sudden upward movement, and the rest, as they say, went down in history, literally. And that, my dear friends, is all the world knows about what happened to D.B. Cooper. To this day, the FBI and millions of people still wonder if he survived and got away with the money, or if he did indeed die in the jump. Well, I'm here to finally clear up the mystery once for all, because I am the only one who knows what happened. And who am I, you might be asking? Bernie Doyle, Cooper's accomplice. I served under him in the Vietnam War, and like I said, would do anything for Cooper. And who is this D.B. Cooper? I'll let that remain a mystery. Yeah, you're gonna leave it a mystery because the people who made the movie don't actually know. Also, holy potatoes, this was all a plan by Bernie and Cooper to meet up and get away. That's arguably clever. I'm going to begrudgingly give the movie a point for that. Bigfoot being real kinda screws the plan up a bit though, doesn't it? Bernie meets up with Cooper, so finally the plots collide for all of five minutes because the movie movie's almost over. There's still the one surviving kid out in the woods that Bernie knocked out, but that doesn't last very long. He wakes up, sees Bigfoot right away, runs, and well, you know the drill. Bernie and Cooper come running, and that's our next clip, and hey, people who aren't Eric Roberts talking. I was right. The stories are true. They're all true. What the hell is that? Better question. How far away did you park your pickup truck? I parked about 10 minutes away from here and hiked the rest of the way. 
Did you see where it went? No. By the time I stopped firing, it was gone. Hey, did you decide to go with that real bomb? No fake bomb. Couldn't blow up a twig. I didn't intend on hurting anybody today. I wish that creature would follow your example. You know, the only contingency I didn't plan on today was a eight-foot-tall missing link. And Abih Mahmin, finally, finally, D.B. Cooper wrestling Bigfoot. But it's sadly cut short because Cooper cracks the Bigfoot's head on a rock, and it's over like that. Not my money, you big hairy son of a bitch! Oh my god, you did it! You stole $200,000, jumped off a plane, and killed one of the greatest urban legends. You're famous. Yeah, yeah, I'm famous. And, and you can't tell anybody about this ever. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you should go, Bernie. Well, you're coming with me, right? I don't think so, buddy. You got me. That's just a scratch. No, it's not a scratch. It's a mark. Get out of here. Get out of here. No! Can I, can I at least have the money? Okay, you keep it. Yes, yes, we're Bigfoot. We're Bigfoot, yes! I mentioned how at the start of the movie, I wanted one of two things. After watching the trailer, and about midway through the movie, I had a third thing I wanted. I didn't get random shirtless D.B. Cooper on the plane. I didn't get Cooper going Tyler Lautner and ripping the shirt off to fight Bigfoot. But I did get number three. Midway through the movie, I wanted D.B. Cooper to become aware Bigfoot. And while my first two desires were complete no-shows, they so delivered on number three. And I'm gonna finish up with the very last lines of the movie, and I'll be back with my final thoughts. And that was the last time anyone ever saw or heard from D.B. Cooper. Well, no, that's not entirely true. Even to this day, some 43 years later, you can still hear him howling in the woods as a search for D.B. Cooper. I mean, as a search for Bigfoot continues. Like I said at the start, when I first contemplated doing this movie, I was a little concerned that Eric Roberts was in it, because he's a big man. But as you could tell from the clips, Eric Roberts might be in this movie, but he's not really in this movie. In some of the other reviews I've done for Trick, where he's been a frequent presence, I've noticed a lot lately that there are performances that he's phoned in. Quite literally. And Bigfoot vs. D.B. Cooper is one of those performances. And I don't mean in the usual sense of phoned in where the performance is half-assed, because Roberts actually did a decent job here. So I don't mean phoned in in that sense, I mean I think they literally phoned up the guy, or more likely in this day and age, they Skyped him, had him read off the lines, and do their thing. Because all you get in this is, it's just his voice, it's just narration. Which suddenly makes me wonder who he's narrating to, but I can't be bothered with that at this point. This is tough to admit, but there are things I actually like about this movie. The idea of D.B. Cooper fighting Bigfoot is just audacious enough that I actually love it, conceptually at least. Sadly, it takes the entirety of a mostly unrelated plot to get there, and then it's over in 30 seconds. Crazy idea, poor execution. And like I said, Robert's performance, which really boils down to sitting there reading off lines from a script, he does manage to bring way more gravitas and importance to it than it has any right to have. It is fun to watch at times, and it is almost so silly it's good, 
good isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. At least when it's actually doing something. Trim out all the walking and posing and shots of the scenery, and you might actually have something there. But ultimately, it's just a beefcake movie, with a lot of dudes standing around posing. There's a term, and I know it mainly from the fanfic community, called porn without plot. You can figure out what that means for yourself, it applies to many movies too. And this is almost that, except it's without the porn as well, so there's like nothing there. The closest it gets is Morgan jerking off in the shower, but even that is played off screen. All it is, is pretty eye candy for people who like shirtless dudes, and the barest of plot where D.B. Cooper wanders in and kills a Bigfoot. It's terrible, but it has a few entertaining moments if you slam that fast forward button really hard. Eric Roberts is clearly the star. The guy playing D.B. Cooper actually isn't half bad either. I would have watched more of a movie with him in it. Even Bernie's not terrible. There are bits and pieces here that work, but the structure is so drawn out, I just run far away from this and hope Bigfoot isn't following you in his fuzzy slippers. So that was episode 9 of The Bloodstream. As usual, you can find us on iTunes, subscribe, rate us, give us a review there. We're also on Facebook. Search for The Bloodstream, you should be able to find us. Come join us, we talk about really cheesy movies from time to time. And mostly I'm dropping teases of what I'm working on and what other terrible stuff I'm watching. We're on Tumblr at thebloodstream.tumblr.com. You can drop me an email with comments or if you have suggestions for future movies you want me to stream and watch, I'm more than welcome to those. You can shoot me an email at phoenix, F-O-E-N-I-X, at gmail.com. Our music is provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. He does the main theme of Baba Yaga. Some of the incidental background music in the shows is from Audiotonics.com. Some of the other music I've started using is from the movie Solace, which I reviewed a few weeks back. It helps mix things up a bit. That's going to wrap things up. Take care and keep streaming.
Don't worry. It'll only hurt. A lot. <laughs>